Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Keeping It Real podcast, being your own force. My name is Ronnie Lamont, and I just truly love doing this podcast and sharing real, raw stories all of our personal stories, connecting together. Maybe you're here to become your best version yourself, you know, and just doing what you want to do. I'm so tired of all the things that we should have, could have, would have, or like being this version of ourselves that we think we should be because other people perceive us this way. I'm just tired of all that stuff. And I just want to honestly be our true best versions of what we think that looks like. Um, you know, keeping it real, sharing the raw, true things about our stories and having a connection. Maybe you're going through something and you just feel so alone and isolated and nobody gets you. And I hope this is a place where it don't feel like that because I've been there, done that. And I just wanted to share some information and connect with you. So, and feel like we can grow together and a beautiful community supporting each other. So if this totally sounds like something up your alley, then please stay connected to this podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my goodness. Welcome everyone. I am super excited about this podcast. So this would be podcast number 16 and um, it is basically about men's mental health and changing the stigma of this. So I am so excited because I have never like interviewed a male on this podcast. I was all about women empowerment, rah, rah, rah. And then he reached out to me and he'll explain that in the in this episode here and he's just going to share his journey his story and you know the things that helped him get through this so it's given us um a, a male's perspective of life and things and it's it he does such a beautiful job of sharing and his emotions and being vulnerable and real and i like that because i feel like more men should do that because if we're all more vulnerable life would probably be a little bit more easier for all of us, especially in relationships. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and again, please, 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 especially if this hits home for anyone, please screenshot this episode, share it on your feeds, on your stories, tag friends, loved ones, and help this podcast grow. I would really, really appreciate it so much so we can continue to share stories and let people not, you know, hopefully so people don't feel alone and we can just build, um, you know, a community together through and increasing our consciousness together and growing through stories. So thank you so much for being here and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, we're live. <laughs> okay. This is awesome. I am so excited today. Um, Daryl here, Daryl here. Holy, I can't even talk. Um, you know, he reached out to me about wanting to have like be on the podcast. And actually, to be honest, my whole goal and intent was like focused on women. And, but when he reached out to me, I'm like, he's a guy who is into personal development and wants to share his flipping story. Like, why would I deny that? So I think that's so cool because I don't know um, about you, Daryl, you're more in the, <laughs> the male world, but for me, I don't find very many guys who are open and willing to talk about this stuff and their struggles and their story and like being open to share. So before we begin and Daryl like talks about his amazing, cool story, um, I just wanna add, I wanted him to share with you like why he decided to reach out to me like what was his intentions and goals here yeah sure awesome well first off thank you for having me on here i know like i said i reached out to you knowing very well that this is a uh, a podcast that is more designed for for women listeners but um again it was just another opportunity to share kind of 
something that similar interests and, and something like that where we can maybe be a little vulnerable. And I think that the audience might even like it better too as, as a male when you're being vulnerable. That's it's a difficult thing to do. But the reason I reached out though was I listened to your podcast with Mitch Lamott and she's uh, she was someone that grew up in the same town as I did in Debden. And I've been always, I've been watching her journey along as well. And she's been very vocal with her, her struggles and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'd love to hear what she, what she has to say about it. And I knew of you, Randy, through, uh, through your husband, Darren. I played sports with him growing up. So I always had a ton of respect for Darren. I think Darren's a great guy. And I mean, since, uh, since I played sports with him, I've gone to down different paths, whatever, but always still knew who he was and, and what he's been up to. So I knew who you were, just didn't really know you on a personal level. So I felt comfortable enough to just reach out and say, yeah. hey, I love I love what you're doing. I love your content. I binge listened to a lot of your podcasts. Oh after gosh. And I'm just, you know what? You know, you shall take on a guest. She did mention she does want guests. Yeah. And like I said, um, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So the worst you could say was no. And well, look, here we are. <laughs> yeah. I am so excited. Like I'm, I was telling Daryl before we hit record, I'm like super I was like nervous and my heart was racing. I'm like, oh, oh, because <laughs> I was telling him because like, you know, usually when Dom or other girls around here, we're drinking wine and we're just shooting the shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't know why a male version makes it a little bit more nerve wracking for me. I'm not sure what I'm telling myself. But <laughs> yeah, well, we probably should have poured some wine still then. We take that I, know. <laughs> I know. We should have. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so I guess it's now it's your time to like share your story like you know who are the person you were before to the person you are now and like that journey and because that yeah. was your main thing because you've been doing personal development for how long now i'd say it really started probably three years ago on a smaller yeah. scale and it's just it's grown since then but i mean that's that's the journey of personal development too right you don't just get it all right the first time and it's just a continual path of, of development right you learn new things you try try new things and you realize what works, what doesn't. And it's, that's what I love about it. It's the journey. It's not even the destination. Right. So, um, yeah, so I appreciate you letting me share my story. Uh, I guess just to, to cap it off or to start it off in that sense is that, um, I'm been always been a big supporter of Movember. Um, as you can see, there is uh, a, a mustache outline there that is to, to support the, the initiative for the month. And it was another reason I reached out because I do believe there's a stigma um, around men's health uh, in the forms of mental health uh, more so. And I think it's just important to, to put a voice to someone who's maybe been through some struggles and just try to be relatable in a sense and just hope if it can help anyone in any way or be relatable in any way. It just gives someone maybe a different I mean, maybe perspective or even just some self-awareness about maybe what they're going through and they reach out for help and change what their current situation looks like where when you are in that situation, you feel very helpless, you feel very alone and you almost feel like you're alone, right? It's like, it's like, there's no one that would understand what you're going through, but little do we know at that time is that many people exactly, right? So there's, there's so much out there that we can use for resources to to just know that that pain is temporary and there is something better on the other side. And that's where I, that's where I feel like I like to share my story because I am someone who's now, I like to think as a recovered person from, from a mental illness with, with severe depression and, and anxiety. So uh, just to cap off how it started, I was just a small town <laughs> kid. 
I mean, I grew up in a small town, very tight knit community. You 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 know people from Devon. You know our yeah. Town. I grew up in Shelburne, so yeah, I get yeah, it <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Everybody cares about everyone. And you know what? That's that's how I felt being raised. Yeah. It's just that's the way it is. Everyone wants to support everybody. And I was really happy as a kid. I was shy. I was introvert. But I did grow up on a farm, so there's certain um you kind of develop yeah exactly certain things that you have expectations of yourself of being a farm kid right and then a family of four boys so there was there was no girl in there to bring in any emotions or feelings right it was strictly just all man and boy stuff yeah and i won't lie i was the emotional one in the family (laughs) so probably thank goodness thank goodness you are though totally absolutely so just growing up with kind of that expectation right it's maybe it's something that's programmed in us at, at a young age or for whatever way society runs that there's there's a stigma to what what men should be like and then growing up on a farm and then I played tons of sports I loved being active and that was I think a big part of my my happiness as a child I was very active loved being outside and then you kind of just develop more into a person based off of your environment and I mean Hockey was one of my main sport, and at, I mean, I think the the sport is changing now too. But then, as a hockey player, there's there's certain types of people that play hockey, and there's certain perception that you're going to put yourself out as as a hockey player. And again, you just kind of solely develop into a person just based off of your environment. And at the time, obviously clueless about any of that, right? I just thought I was becoming me. And I mean, sports was always yeah, like an outlet too. I mean, when I was yeah shy introverted person I could go play sports I could be myself I was outgoing it was it was tons of fun and then I kind of transitioned into like the teenage years well um I mean you you kind of experiment with with drinking and going out with friends teenage years is rough (laughs) yeah exactly right but it's everybody's doing it right and you get into a small town that's essentially kind of like all you did was drink honestly Mm -hmm. that was the social activity like there was nothing else to do if you weren't at the rank you are drinking yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that was very much what, what my life kind of became. And I'll be like 100% honest. I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, I remember having my first beer and I'm like, this is disgusting. I know. I know. <laughs> but it then it's like, well, it's disgusting. But then I look around the room and if I say that this is disgusting, am I going to be accepted here? Am I going to fit in with these people? Am I yeah, going to yeah. be, be able to be part of this group? And I was like, no, let's choke it down. And I remember I had two, three beers, my first, my first little party, got a buzz, got a little bit, felt a little bit goofy, silly. Well, and like, you feel like you can um, be yourself a little bit, like, you know, your guard is down, your walls are down. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I I used to, I used to always have to have drinks at parties so I could like calm down because I'm an introvert too. Mm -hmm. So like when I go in a social setting, I'm like, like I get anxiety so having a drink calmed me down so that was like my coping mechanism for years after Mm. starting drinking in high school right yeah a hundred a hundred percent relatable so i mean that's how it started for me was drinking now then became a way like you said to bring your guard down and actually feel comfortable being who you really are or whatever else and then it just i mean at the end of the day like I said, I didn't like the taste of beer, but I, I was thinking about it too. Cause like I said, with personal development, a lot of it has to do with your mindset. Right. And I was like, if I could convince my mind when I was like 15 years old that I like beer when I didn't. And then all of a sudden now, like I just like a beer is something I like now because I just developed that more in my mind, more than what my taste buds were telling me. Right. It's you can yep. overcome things if you believe it enough. 
and it was for social acceptance. And I was just like, that's more of like a 30 years down the road epiphany, but it's not. But like still the, the power up. of your yeah. mind. Exactly. Like, that is amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's what my journey has taught me is just that self-awareness. Right. So just to kind of rewind back, <laughs> drinking really became something. And then I, I was someone I, I know you talk about is just being a people pleaser, right? Oh, yes. the, the validation from everybody yeah. else for your self-worth. And I, I knew I had some struggles even in my, in my young, my younger years, but I was like, I didn't ever want to project that onto someone else. So you come across as happy. And if you see, you go somewhere and like the mood's down, I was like, we got to bring up the energy in here. Like, I don't want people to feel down. I know what it feels like to be down. Gosh, I don't want everyone like else. the women version of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I'm like, well, what, how can we get people excited? And then it was like, yeah, for me, yeah. it was just like, well, let's be the life of party. Well, how do I become the life of the party? Well, I have to drink. So yeah. then it was drinking. And then from there, just constant drinking just became, I just, I, I didn't, I was bad at knowing when a limit was enough. Right. And it led to, to some bad decisions. And I mean, at the end of the day, they're all decisions I had to live with at some point but when i was going through my low points i would i would replay back to those those low points and just i mean i can't change them now and that's one thing i've learned to just let go it's it's something that's that's happened it's coming gone but it's like okay what's the lesson here what can i learn from and i mean it took me 20 years to learn from it or whatever else but i mean at the end of the day there was still one of those things so that's kind of what it was like growing up but again very loving supportive family supporting community but it was all about how I needed my, my self-worth, my self-validation. And um, me, whether people believe it or not, dude, I wasn't a confident person. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. I was very self-critical on a lot of things with myself. And it limits you when you when you think that way about yourself, right? And I think for me, it was just, it came to a point, it's like, now this is another thing I've just become aware of. It's just, you don't, you don't have control. And that's one thing we all crave is like control. And we do yeah. have control. Yeah, exactly. You can choose it just like you chose to like beer. Yeah. We exactly. do have the control. That's the crazy exactly. thing about it. And mm -hmm. then you're right. That we limit ourselves. It's like that black, dark cloud hangs over us. Totally. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 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 So, I mean, if you're relying on everyone else to provide you that internal validation, that's not in your control, right? Because no. you're trying to manipulate someone enough to make them say a good thing about you instead, instead of why don't you just say that about yourself? Don't <laughs> just, I don't know why we do that. Yeah. I, I totally just experienced that this week with myself and I'm like, I'm almost 40 and I still need validation from mm -hmm. other people. I thought yeah. I was over this. Like, mm -hmm. I know it's a continual uh, our journeys to become a yeah. better version of ourselves. So that's why I liked when you said in the beginning, that um you know it's a continuum it's it's never ending until we're mm -hmm. done right until yeah. we're in the grave basically but i remember <laughs> i first i picked up my first book in 2009 my first development book and i'm like oh yeah and mm -hmm. it was about self-compassion and the way we talk to ourselves yeah. i'm like and expecting this miracle that all of a sudden i'm i'm good one mm -hmm. book and i'm good man yeah. was i disappointed <laughs> <laughs> like what yeah oh, this is like a yeah, I'm, I'm cured. Yeah, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that, and that's so true, right? It's, I think it's yeah. just, yeah, we we kind of almost get conditioned and we live in a society where it's, I like to call it like a microwave society where we put something in and we want it to be ready and everything fixed 20 minutes later or whatever it is, right? Yeah, so, um, yeah, until you can recognize that 
things just they take time delayed gratification is a, is a beautiful thing to understand and 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 work towards yeah. so yeah absolutely so out of high school moved out to alberta i left yep. home went to school out there took some classes to I, I didn't really know what i wanted to do but i did okay in school again i worked really hard in school to get good grades because I was one you thing I was, validation. exactly and that was one thing I was that was like always been a saving grace of mine is that I have had a relentless work ethic I just if anything I wasn't I knew I wasn't the smartest I wasn't the fastest I wasn't the most skilled but I always knew that I could control that I could be the hardest working and I, I think that just comes from being growing up on a farm and just seeing my dad and my grandpa right and I know I you mentioned Ed Milet but Ed Milet's like a huge been a huge part of my journey but he says things he says something that's we're it's something that's caught not taught right so uh, that was something i caught as a, at a young age just being around the environment i was in but that was a big saving grace for me too with a lot of things um i went to school like i said when i when i left uh, home went to calgary the hockey career thing didn't turn out i played some junior b hockey i mean i don't even want to call that a hockey career but it was still me playing hockey whatever else but I quit school because I then I started to have a lot of severe anxiety. I was skipping classes. I wasn't going to classes. I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying the environment I was in because I was starting to, to experience like severe anxiety my first time, but then very unaware about it. And it just led me to not wanting to go to school anymore because I couldn't go to a classroom without feeling comfortable. I felt like anytime someone would ask me a question, I could feel my face get red. I just, I, I went through a lot of things where I just, I was never comfortable where I was and I didn't have a lot of friends groups uh, in the school, but I was playing junior B hockey. So I had friends that were, were hockey players, right? So I fit into that group and that group, well, junior B hockey, anyone knows that it's, it's drinking and partying. So that became my environment, my focus. And then I wanted to quit school because I was taking on these student loans, this debt, and I was missing classes. I was overwhelmed and I was so scared to tell my parents that I wanted to quit school. And that's where I had my first experience with, with depression. I, I remember not leaving my room for three days. And my brother, I was living with at my at the time, my older brother Derek, just mentioned like mentioned something to my parents, like, yeah, Daryl hasn't really left his room. And just made a comment and, you know, I finally built it up enough to just tell my parents like, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to be in school anymore. I'm sorry to disappoint you. And again, it was just a narrative I created in my head and my parents were like, well, if that's not what you want to do, you don't have to do that. So you, you did felt like, because of the people pleasing thing, you felt like you were supposed to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of your choice following your heart. heart. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like that was like how your anxiety triggered? Yeah, that was would, the number one trigger for you deep down, but you didn't want to recognize that and you took it as other things. Yeah, exactly. And just, yeah, not even knowing what anxiety was then still like well, for sure. Nobody really talked yeah, about it much. Right? Exactly. It wasn't talked about. So like for me, it was just I was so confused at what was even happening. I didn't know like what the, what to do, what to say. And I just I internalized absolutely everything. I didn't, Like I said, I wouldn't even want to leave my room because I didn't want to have a conversation with my brother or anybody else. Yeah, because I didn't know what to say. So. That was kind of, that was my first stint with depression, but I ended up quitting school and then got into a trade so I could start making money. Um, and, and again, did you choose a trade to choose a trade or did you like do a trade because you thought it was cool? I, I, yeah, that's a really good question. I went into a trade as electrician because my cousin in Calgary owned an electrical company and 
I, I, I needed some, I needed some work. And I actually, to be honest, I was actually working part-time for, I don't know if you know, Mario Degagne, not Degagne, Bovere. Uh, he has the, the excavating company uh, with his daughter and his son, or it'd be his, his nephew, Derek Belair. Um, they were doing a project out around Calgary at the time and I was working part-time for them, but it was outside the city and it was just hours that, I mean, I yeah. was still playing hockey, wasn't really accommodating to my schedule. So I wanted something in the city that was a little more accommodating. And yeah, I went and jumped into the trades just because that's what was available to me. I didn't yeah. actually have a clue what I wanted to do at that point, but I knew I needed to do something. Yeah. So I went into a trade and electrical, I knew nothing about, absolutely nothing. I remember the first week I was so green, like it was just, it was really uncomfortable feeling because all I knew is I had work ethic and I knew if I showed up and worked hard, they'd probably keep me around. And then that's how I built my electrical career. Not because I even enjoyed a lick of what I was doing. I just knew I needed to earn an income and provide for myself uh, to do it. And I mean, again, I, I ended up liking the career. I ended up liking the work as I learned it. But um, down the road, I just realized it wasn't really exactly something I wanted to do. And I think it was more uh, the employee uh, mindset more than the, yeah, yeah. the actual work itself, right? And kind of always had aspirations to like maybe own my own company one day. But one thing I really noticed when I was having those thoughts then, it was just like, I'm talking to other employees about these dreams of building my own, like building an own business. Yeah. Those aren't the people you talk to about building a, a business. No, because they're projecting their fears and their mindset on you. I had the same experience and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah well, who the hell am I? Who I, I don't know anything. I'm not smart enough. I don't know what I'm doing. Da, 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 da. Mm. And you start projecting into their stuff and taking yes. it on. And yeah. Your beliefs are becoming your beliefs. And then, yeah. And you just have a bigger battle yeah. <laughs> so you can start doing what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Then exactly. And that was yeah. exactly it. Right. So obviously I wasn't ever able to open a business or do my own thing on the side because I was talking to people who were in the exact same place I was. So they weren't going to give me actual tangible advice to go and start a business yeah. because if they did know how to do that, they would have had a business probably. Right. Yeah. For sure. So it's, that's one thing I noticed in the, in the employee world is like, you can talk about these things, but nothing materializes because you're not talking to people who are actually doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. So then uh, from there, uh, we started having a family. So me and my wife, we, yeah, we got married. We had a family or started, had our first kid. And this is where things was like the, the turning point for me was, was becoming a father. And um, I would, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what to do. I knew what I just knew was something like, Hey, you figure it out as you go. And um I mean, at that point, I was already starting to have some some other forms of anxiety with my work. And just uh, I read a really cool book. It's called The Restart Roadmap by uh, Jason Tardick. Oh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but he no, talks about, yeah, about his journey. He was actually on The Bachelor and everything. But he calls this thing called the Sunday Night Scaries. So as an employee. Yes, I know yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you live Monday to Friday. And then I think, yeah, one of your podcasts, you, you mentioned it like Sunday fun day, right? Because you're just trying not to think about that Monday. Trying to numb your stuff because you're yeah. anxiety Sunday night, Monday blues. And you're thinking, what? A, this is my life. Yeah. Living yeah. for the weekends. And all you do on the weekends is getting ready for the week. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, the Sunday night scaries were like a, a big part of my life where like I wouldn't sleep Sunday nights because I would just start thinking yeah. of all the things that I had to do that whole week everything else so that was kind of happening and then we had our first child and like 
that feeling of becoming a father was a feeling that I hadn't had felt in a while, just with all this emotional stuff that I've been dealing with up until that point, but suppressing them, not being aware of it. And I just, it was, it was an amazing feeling to become a father. So it was just like, it was something new for me and exhilarating. And I felt a feeling that I hadn't felt since I was like a child. And I was like, wow, this is so great. And then it kind of starts wearing off because then sleepless nights with a newborn, your first kid, everything else. And then it was back to the grind of work and it was gone. And um, yeah, parent, parenthood is, was something that really, really changed things for me. It put a lot of different things into perspective. Um, I know becoming a dad at first wasn't what I thought it would be. I thought I this kid would love me and just need me and all this stuff. But a newborn doesn't really care who their dad is, really. I mean, they, no. they do and they don't. But like, yeah. it's really mom that they need for like the good first three months. And then from there, depending on how much they're breastfed and whatever route you choose to go with it, then... You, you can actually start being a more hands-on dad type of thing. And really the first three months is you need to be there for support. It's you're there to support your wife more than the baby. Right. And I did not know that. And I wasn't very supportive to my wife. I'm like, okay, well, the baby doesn't need me. Well, I'm going to go out tonight. Right. And, and I feel like that's a lot of, a lot of relationships. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's fair. I mean, it, yeah. it is. I mean, I guess that my, my expectation of being a dad wasn't met early and then sitting home just to be home with my wife, if she needed like me to hold the baby for five minutes while she went and had a shower or something like that. Like to me, I felt like I was like, I felt worthless. I'd hate to say that word, but I was like, yeah. well, I'm here. I'm here to hold the baby. That's it. And then I try to comfort her and she cries and screams. And then it's like, okay, well, you just want your mom. And at that point in my life, I was going out a lot, like still living for the weekends, going out with my boys. And I had a friends group where no one really had kids yet. Oh, so was, yeah. So it's like, okay. I'm like, well, do you need help with the baby tonight? She's like, well, probably I'm like, okay. And then also I'm sitting there and she's able, and the baby's having like our daughter's having a good day. And I'm like, Oh, well, I just sat here all night for nothing. And that was like my mentality. It was like, I sat here for nothing instead of just enjoying being present with my wife and my daughter. Because I was worried that my friends wouldn't want to be friends with me if I stopped going out with them on the weekend. That's you know, what was, sorry, that, what? that was the thoughts I was having. So I couldn't even enjoy my time with my wife and daughter. At well, that it's point. kind of, it's not, this is not funny. I was going to say, this is funny. But when, mm -hmm. as women are talking about that, and I, I'm not, I'm just the observer since I haven't experienced that world. But basically, they all say the same thing. The husband is in babysit mode, not dad mm -hmm. mode. Yeah. And that's like the big common thing. And that's where the women is so like stressed and frustrated and exhausted. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, like, so what you're saying, you're not, the husband isn't being supportive, but the husband's not understanding Yeah, or like, you know, your awareness, like what you're saying. So mm -hmm. thank goodness you, you recognize that <laughs> because yeah. not everyone does. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and I mean, I didn't recognize it though on the first child and, yeah. and our, our first, our first child wasn't a good sleeper. She was a fussy baby. And it put a lot of strain on our relationship for that matter, because we were overtired. We were suppressing all these emotions, myself the most, right? Because I didn't know these emotions I was feeling. I didn't know how to project them. I'm a man. Last thing I'm going to do is go and say, what do you want from me? Come to her in tears saying like, what do you want from me? Right? Like that would just have been the most unmanly thing to do. But really, that is the most manly thing to do, right? And, and for women too. And that's the stigma, right? Just be vulnerable. And I mean, allow your emotions to, to flow 
because we just expect everybody to know exactly what we're thinking and feeling in that exact moment because we know how we're feeling, but it's like, why don't you know how I'm feeling while well, you're not communicating, right? I feel like if we could all just say what is on our mind, what we need and have that communication, mm -hmm. so many relationships would be better, healthier, or people still would be married or yeah. like, I feel like that would flow so much better. And I don't know why we were like, in ET, you said because you grew up as like a guy and not supposed to show emotions and love. Um, I wasn't supposed to either. I grew up with mm -hmm. two parents who never got loved and reached like when they were growing up. So they didn't show us love. They showed it in other ways, but not through communication, emotion. Yeah. They didn't even hug me. <laughs> when I was young. They're like so scared to hug and like say the word, I love you. I forced them to start talking like that. Yeah. Well, so it's so funny. So it take it took me a long time too, even with Darren, to see like, hey, whoa, like this is what I need. Like this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. But that still sometimes feels uncomfortable to say. Oh, absolutely. And it's <laughs> the thing is too, like we talk about building good habits and everything else, but sometimes yeah. we have to unlearn our bad habits yes. before we can make space for a new habit. So it's 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 essentially what it is, is just programming reprogramming unprogramming and we, we like i said it, that's why it's a journey right we don't get it right the first time but it's that self-awareness and kind of just making sure we're understanding what that feeling is at that moment and then how we're expressing it uh is, is a big part too so i mean yeah with all that being said there was it was it was a difficult time then and we decided we were we were still living in alberta and for me for this everything to be better i needed a change and my change was like okay we need to move back to saskatchewan oh yeah be closer to family and i thought that that's what it was i thought that's the change i needed was just moving locations it wasn't reaching out it to wasn't someone. you <laughs> yeah exactly right and and actually just the point on too i did go and see somebody eventually when i was in in alberta i was living in fort saskatchewan i went and saw a walk-in doctor and I told him what I was feeling. He's like, oh, yeah, you have anxiety. Here's a prescription. And um, here's, a, here's a therapist you can go talk to. And, I mean, for me at the time, I was never someone who who took medication or whatever else. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, anxiety. You want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Like, yeah. I wasn't really sure, but I took the prescription. He didn't really talk much more out of it. I mean, I think that's my opinion with Western medicine. Is, is I think that's so common. I'm surprised he actually referred you to someone to talk to. A lot of times, just like, here you go. Here's your pill. This will fix everything. It won't, you know, don't work yeah. on the root cause. Or, or yeah. Anything, but let's numb yeah. the shit out of you. Well, exactly, <laughs> and right? And sometimes there's a need for it 100%. Like, I do I'm get not, the world, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with that, too. It's, it's a starting point, right? Yeah. But it shouldn't, but there should be more. Like there should be a plan in place, right? Like more education on, on how you can get better because yeah. really the medication is just there more or less to stabilize. Yeah. It doesn't really show you a way to the other side. No, it doesn't give you no tools. It exactly. When yeah. you were in that doctor and he said that to you, um, cause I used to work in mental health and addictions and okay. a lot of people I worked with always said the same thing. So I'm just wondering if you felt the same thing, especially, you know, not showing your emotions and like, um, a lot of them felt so shameful, like and embarrassed, and then like a failure. Like, what? I have this is what's wrong with me. Whether it's anxiety, depression, bipolar, like any of those, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. like, did you come across any of that shame feeling or embarrassed or like you know you had to go home now and say, hey, honey, I have you know, like I'm diagnosed with anxiety, <laughs> or how yeah. did that feel with you? Yeah, no, the first time it was like. To me, it still was just like, I didn't understand it enough to know if it really affected me. I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this? Even? I still don't even really know what it meant. 
And I was, yeah, a little bit of like anxiety, okay. And I know I'd given my 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 wife, who was a my girlfriend at the time, when she was in university, she used to take medication for her anxiety to help with her exams because she'd get anxiety at school. And this is what this is what I thought of people who took pills for anxiety. Every time she would have like a little lash out or whatever was projecting something or just having a moment. I, this is my response to her. Have you taken your crazy pills today? Like, I wish would set any of us off even more. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's just how unaware, educated, everything yeah. I was like. And to think now I'm someone who's in a doctor's office that just got prescribed medication. That's the first thing I think about. Oh, so I have to take crazy pills now. And that was my mindset around yeah. mental health and all that stuff. But I think that's just where mental health was at more or less then i know it's made a, it's made leaps and bounds since then but just imagine somebody that has a problem with their mental health with anxiety which can lead to further um deeper depressions and whatever else but just that's the way they're perceived when they're given a medication and not really given any more education about it so that's how i felt leaving the doctor's office was just like oh my god you know, I wish our school system wouldn't fail us. Like, I wish they talked about this kind of stuff. And like, you know, if everyone had more the ability to have more self-love on themselves too, or like getting taught coping skills, self-esteem, like all those things in school, mm -hmm. man, would we have a different approach in oh. the world, right? Hey? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I then mean, you would know what anxiety is. And you'd be like, okay, so oh, I remember this. These are some of the tools they taught us. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. Like having yeah. that. Anyway, well, sorry. My, my no, absolutely. <laughs> my yeah. mind goes like this. You're saying so many things. I'm like, ping, ping. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. When, when you said you want to try to keep it under 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so then the, I didn't take the pills consistently, so I wasn't yeah. seeing the value in them, and I said, these don't work. But, again, that was just me taking them at okay. random times. I was still drinking. There was effects when I was drinking when I was taking them so I didn't see results so what did I do I said no this doesn't work I did go see um, a counselor and just it was it was my first experience with talking to somebody about that I know that had an impact and I've, I haven't done a whole lot of talk therapy um, my talk therapy was heart to hearts when you're really when I was really drunk but um, essentially that's what therapy really is but you're not drunk but you're really just spilling it all out and the first person I saw was actually, the more I thought about it was, was really good because she just asked questions and allowed me to speak. And at one point she was getting emotional while I was speaking. And I was like, I thought that was really weird, but I think what more or less, I don't know if this is something she was taught or what, but it maybe was just an emotion that she was showing me that I was allowed to feel. And then I started to get emotional because I saw she was getting emotional and I, I felt what I probably should have been feeling as I was speaking about it. So again, in that moment, I just, it felt good just to talk and let some things out on the table, whatever left there. And then we, we packed up, we ended up selling our house. We moved our whole life situation changed. We settled in Prince Albert. I took a job away from home week in, week out um, type of work schedule out of mine. And we were trying to adapt to our new life. Super excited being close to now because my wife's originally from Saskatchewan as well. We we're close to the grandparents. My older brother had moved to PA. Life was good. Life was great because yeah. again, we were experiencing some new things. But then some of the old habits started to settle back in. Well, I hadn't worked away from home week in, week out. I hadn't worked that schedule before. So now my daughter was three years old, missing out on things. 
sucked because I was home every night before. And then I'd come home on days off and I was still wanted to play hockey with my senior hockey with my brothers. I wanted to visit all my old friends that I hadn't lived in Saskatchewan with in forever. And FOMO was hitting me so hard every time I'd come home from work. It was everybody else except for like, and uh, this is why I credit my wife so much because as hard as I was on myself, she was the next thing because she's so close to me was the next thing that took a lot of the, the beating and the pain from, from my own like mental decisions. Right. So like, that was kind of like my next punching bag was her where it's like, she was the last person that I kind of thought about when making plans. It's like, Oh, she'll, she'll always be there. Like when I'm home at night, she's in the house. So I get to see her then. It wasn't like, I got to go golf with my buddies. I got to go play hockey with my buddies. Cause if I don't, I don't get to see them at night when I come home to bed. Right. So it was, she was never really prioritized in that sense. And that also constrained a relationship a lot. And it did. And it just things they compound. And, and I, I really have a big belief in compounding and in a lot of different yeah. things in our life. But that was something, yeah, that's something that did compound a lot and added more stress. And it wasn't being communicated in, in a healthy way. And then with working away from home as well, too, like I said, the, the FOMO of being away from work, uh, from home and having to work just wasn't good with me. Uh, I had to start working nights. So I, would, I do a week of days week off and then a week of nights and I realized I was not someone good with night shift um sleep patterns like lack of sleep was was that affected me heavily maybe because it just was my mental state at the time but it just had another compounding effect on the way I felt about myself and my mood very moody uh and stuff like that so then of course when I come home well who's who's in the line of fire when I come home moody right that's that's yeah. my wife and then my, my the, daughter the partner is always the punching bag yeah. always the scapegoat punching bag and it's mm -hmm. it's not it's it's human yeah <laughs> we're human and we do it but it's also just not very kind or healthy yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and it exactly. happens like we all do it we all mm -hmm. it. oh but absolutely yes. yeah, yeah so and again too just wasn't realizing it and then yeah. one thing i started to realize i was bringing a lot of things home with coming home from work frustrated about certain things and of course, like I said, uh, who hears, uh, who gets to hear about it? And I started to be more conscious about how I was reacting in front of my three-year-old um, because she was, this is this is what the father she was seeing, right? And now I know more now than ever that young children's minds are molded in those very early stages, their belief systems, their values. And that's where a lot of the programming happens for, for kids. Like, just think about it. You're born, you're now in this world and your brain is a blank sheet of paper. You don't know what's right, what's wrong, what makes you happy, what makes you sad. And every experience that you experience each day becomes part of your programming now for what you believe to be normal. Yeah, and, and that programming is like, I think age seven or nine is pretty yeah. much developed. So then we exactly. have a programming of age seven, nine from yeah. our parents and environment. And now let's go be adults in the world and have this messed up belief system and value system that doesn't match who we are at all. <laughs> exactly. So that for me became like an eye opener. I was like, if I can't be happy for myself, at least can I be an example for these, these yeah, humans yeah. that, I mean, they don't have a choice whether or not they're going to be born or not. They're born into this world. Now we have an obligation as parents to give them the best opportunity to become a good person, be, have a good chance at life and all these other things. So I kind of put a lot of pressure on myself there in that sense. And I mean, it's some, like I said, sometimes there's different pressures that are healthy and unhealthy, 
But um, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I started then work on myself. And then my wife also did notice too, like with my work schedule and how I was coming home and how our relationship was developing. She well, did wait, do you mind me asking, like, what did you do to work on yourself just so people can like, you know, yeah. have ideas of what worked for you that can maybe help them? For sure. So the first thing that really started my journey is that I went and talked to another doctor in Prince Albert here. He was someone that was a big part of my, my journey to healing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I laid it out with him. My wife came with me. She's the one that came on. He did prescribe me medication again, but he also mentioned like, he's like, are you moving your body enough? Like, what's your work like? He kind of asked more questions. So I went on medication, but this time I was, I was consistent with it. And I knew at this point that things were, were bad because I, I was at a point now where I was having thoughts that I never had before. And that's mm -hmm. why my wife made me go see a doctor because I finally opened up to her about some of the thoughts I was having and it scared the hell out of her. And like rightfully anyone you love to say the things that they were thinking of doing to themselves is a scary thought. Right. And the first thing was like, okay, you need yeah. to talk to somebody. Right. So I'm really grateful that she took that upon herself. And that was kind of the start. And then I realized too, that there was more than just, it wasn't just going to be medication. So I stopped drinking and to be really honest, I don't want to give you the long version. I know we're running long already, but like COVID was something that was hard on a lot of people mentally and just on everything in general, COVID, what happened with COVID with the restrictions and shutting everything down was like the catalyst for me to change my life. Because what it did for me was with the restrictions and everything closed down. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to say no to people because it was already a no. And I focused on myself. I started to educate myself on wellness. So like got really into fitness, got into once I started doing fitness, I kind of noticed I was plateauing with my fitness. I'm like, well, how come I'm not plateauing? Did more research, started educating myself more there. It's like, well, nutrition's a big part of your fitness. So then I got more into nutrition on how nutrition can affect our bodies and our minds. And it was just a slow progression and it was just more or less getting really good at one thing and then figuring out what the next thing was. And then um, for me, the hardest part about once I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, it was the hardest thing for me to talk to my family about because I felt like if I told them, they'd feel guilty. Like they were the reason they, or my oh, parents would think, what, what did we do wrong? Are we the reason why you have this, these things? Right. And I never, ever wanted that to be like that. Yeah, and yeah. So I became a little bit distant during that time. I wouldn't spend as much time around them because, and then everyone in my family knew what something was up. I talked to my one younger brother about it a little bit more um, just because we were, we we're still playing hockey together and I opened up to him a few nights and he was just a good, a good, li uh, just listened. Right. And in those moments, that's kind of the best thing you need is someone just to listen, not just to always tell you what yeah, you should be, a be doing. Fixer. Or yeah. Advice or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that really, that really helped. And then finally it was, yeah, 2019, right before COVID that Christmas, um, we were pregnant again with our third child and um, we built up the, I built up the courage to finally just talk to my family about my anxiety, depression, all that stuff. They said, yeah, we knew you were, something was going on. We figured you would talk about it when you were ready. Oh, and I did. Yeah. So they were really good. And then right from there, it was just like, uh, the new year started, I got into audiobooks, and like, once I did audiobooks, I did just nonstop. So driving to work and back audiobooks, And then it was just like, I just started just putting things in my ears and my brain. And then that's what kind of 
remolded the way I thought, the way I thought about myself. So like just some of the books or the, the audio books I started off. First one was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, I just always yeah. a big fan of him. And it, it's good. <laughs> he tells his story. And then Think Like a Monk was big for me. Uh, Jay Shetty. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. kind of gave me a whole new perspective. And then I, from there, I went to Atomic Habits. Uh, <laughs> just to better, learn better habits. And then after yeah. that, I did three books back to back that like literally transformed me like fitness wise. And it was uh, Can't Hurt Me. So David Goggins. Uh, he's an ex Navy guy. His books, a it's, it's for the right people. It's very, very blunt. Yeah. Um, and then winning and relentless by Tim Grover. So the guy that trained like, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant, those guys. So just Is he the one those. that wrote burn the fat, feed the muscle. No. Uh, no, I haven't heard that one. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So those just doing all those all in progression. And that's like literally all I would listen to like transform me. And I got like really obsessed with personal development my wife was pregnant at the time and like going through like the hormonal changes with, with pregnancy. And I was almost a little too much for her to handle because I was changing and developing and changing so fast. Yeah. So again, another learning curve, but we just communicated through that. And then um, at that point too, I was becoming like happier at work because I was now aware of the things that I can control. I really dialed in on my finances and stuff too. And I believe that was something that was really important to me. Because again, we all we all like crave control, right? We want to have control. And that's why I think COVID was hard on a lot of people because they they lost that control, right? Someone was saying, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're not allowed to work even. And that's- How am I going to feed my family? Except yeah. It goes on and on, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. With, with the whole finance piece, like, okay, well, if I get myself really financially comfortable, I can now take time off work when I need to. I'm not like, I mean, I'm obligated, but I'm not. But if I want to take time off to be home for something with my kids or whatever else, or Chelsea's sick and I just need to come home and whether I get paid or not, it's not a big deal. So I positioned myself for that. But then when the time came to be like, okay, hey, my wife's sick or I want to take time off to go and do this. Her employer's like, well, no, did you find someone to cover for you? Well, we can't allow you to go to go and take this time off. And that started to really eat away at me because I'm doing all these things now to basically gain control of myself, my mind, yeah. my thoughts, my life. We have the same journey-ish. Oh, and then it was just like, what? You're telling me, no, I can't yeah, go and do things. Yeah. You're so then telling I, me how to spend my time? What's happening here? And exactly. I love this. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it, then that's, I started to be really resentful of my, of my job for that reason. Yeah. And I started to look for new opportunities and I started to educate myself more on, on business and what's available out there. And I knew I wanted to build something that I could do on the side. I didn't want to just leave what I was doing and go into something new. That's not smart <laughs> for the yeah, most yeah. part. And um, yeah, I went and tried to sell some products on Amazon. I paid for a program. I invested in myself right when I was getting a product live on Amazon. That's when the pandemic happened. It was fitness products, gyms closed everything else. And I ended up losing some money on that. And it just it never really materialized to get it going again. And I had a bad experience with trying to have a side hustle side business. And it, it, it really it hurt a lot at the time. But as I personally developed more, I'm like, this didn't happen to me. This happened yeah. for me. Yeah. And it's like, what do I learn from this? So I realized I needed to go into an, an industry where now I can have a mentor and have someone help me go through the steps to get me to what I want. So I've, I've actually invested in coaches and I finally got to a point where 
again, I had a, a kind of run in with some of my management at work about just something just ridiculous. And we had but a you're meeting. already resentful, so it's already well, exactly that's yeah. <laughs> and they and they just they belittled me on something absolutely ridiculous. And I'm yeah. just like, okay. And you know what? At the time I was so furious that it happened. I came home upset. And the next three days I went, I called up uh, my buddy who was who was my financial advisor. I'm like, hey, how did you get into this industry? I want in, I need something new. And he's like, Hey, well, let me show you, I'll teach you. And the rest is history. I started basically went and got licensed in June or yeah. And by the end of June, so that in April, I reached out to him in June. I was licensed, started doing this on the side. I was allocating all my spare time to, to building this business on the side and then um, rolling up into this, this, this April, there was some changes in, in my position. Um, that's a whole nother story, but not something we <laughs> have time for. And they were gonna they were gonna decrease my rate because I didn't want to go into a position they wanted me in, and yeah. a lot of it didn't. The company just never aligned with my values and beliefs from the from the first place. So there was I was just comfortable with just working in the field, working with the people at that level. I never wanted to work with upper management for for certain reasons. And when they offered me a position to go there because I had that type of skills for it. Yeah, I declined it for my own personal reasons, for my own mental health reasons. And I there might have been resentment, might not, but they, they put me back onto these night shifts and told me I was going to get paid less. And that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I'd been working so hard. So yeah, positioned myself. Yeah. And I just said, you know what? I appreciate your, your well, I don't appreciate. Thanks for the offer <laughs> on the decline rate for being paid here. Thank but you for treating I, me like a number. No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I went on and I, and I've gone fully independent now and work for myself. As you see, I'm here at home and this is where I do a bulk of my work is from home, but I still get out in the field once in a while. But um, your, your podcast about designing your life. Like I was just couldn't believe I was sitting there listening to that. And I'm just like, this is what my last two years was. Is this well, mine too. And then I'm thinking like, cause I worked full time in healthcare Monday to Friday. And then I taught yoga in the evenings at be hot yoga and Yay. And yeah. I did that for a long time. And I'm like, what? And then on the weekend, like you say, you're burnt out and tired and usually have drinks and supper with friends on Friday. Yeah. Sometimes you're doing it Saturday. Sometimes you're doing it Sunday, Monday, depending on your schedule and what you're doing. Like if you have so many things booked up in your weekend, sometimes you do it all in one weekend and then you have the rest of the month off for weekends. But, exactly. you know, depending on things. And I'm just like, I could be taking my time on the weekend and designing and building my new life. Why am I wasting? It's not wasting it. Like socializing with your loved ones, not wasting, but wasting mm -hmm. it on like netflix having drinks always being out always making plans and being distracted so mm -hmm. that was my thing i just like and i was yeah. like you i was i was so burnt out and tired i was done i'm like yeah. I, I felt like in a cage mm -hmm. I was stuck there and i'm like i can't do this for 25 more years or 30 no. years yeah. no way i will be in the environment that i work in <laughs> yeah i will be that person yeah mm -hmm. so breaking free and having more choices and control of your life and that flexibility is like i don't know daryl isn't it the best reward in the yeah. world yeah and like i said it's 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 unfortunate that this isn't more common thing that gets talked about and encouraged in our school system yeah. um but again it's the world does need employees yeah. but it also creates certain environments that when we look at why there's there's a mental health problems and all that stuff it's just conditioning from the environments were put in and i think 
it all be scared down. to do what yeah. you want to do. Like yeah. so much fear-based and anxiety mm -hmm. and to yeah. step forward and go for it because what are people going to think? Oh my gosh, how am I going to provide for my family? Oh mm -hmm. my gosh, what if this goes bankrupt? I'm so stupid. What? Are, I'm not intelligent enough. Like those. Yeah. We all have those storylines and it's up to <sighs> us to manage those and yeah. change those. And easier said than done. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure we both still have quite a bit of storylines. Way yeah. better, I, way better, ton, but it's still ton. there on a daily basis. Yeah. But I absolutely. feel like you and I are in the same position where we can catch ourselves now because you can I think your number one message here, I could be like, tell me if I'm incorrect, is like that awareness. Like without 100%. the awareness of knowing what's going on here and the things you're saying to yourself, because whatever we say, we project out. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that awareness, you can't go to the next steps. Yeah. No, that's, that is exactly it. Is The moment I became a more aware person of what I was feeling internally and how I was projecting it, it, it changed everything for me. And it continually changes me because yeah. now yeah. when something happens and I can become aware of it, I can now look back, okay, why did this happen? Oh, right. We've been really busy. We've been eating out a lot. I've been eating a lot of processed foods and whatever else and i can just link it in and it's like anytime i'm feeling but like that just that ball of anxiety it's not like oh who can i take this out on? it's like well why is this happening and then i can reflect back and like journaling meditation all these things these are all just wonderful tools for us to be able to just understand ourselves on a, such a different level so when these things do happen we can project them in a different way yeah oh my goodness oh my goodness this is so good <laughs> Okay, I guess I kind of might have shared this for you. I didn't mean to, but like you have one word of advice to share with everyone. What would that be? Would it be the awareness thing that I shared because I took it from you? Or do you have something else that you would be like, no, this is such a good advice? I think it's just to understand that whatever you're feeling right now, just know like you're not alone. There are other people that do feel these things. Yeah. And the best way to understand them is to to reach out and ask for help. It's the reason why we're probably in that position is because we're trying to do it on our own. And it just it comes um, asking for help is not a weakness. Being vulnerable is not a weakness. Those are the two strongest features that you can actually have about yourself is by being vulnerable and asking for help. And they're they're under they're just they're downplayed skills and if you can change your mindset around those things your, your life will change i know mine has and it was the moment that i was able to to reach out for help and then realize that i'm not alone and again this is why i share my story because i just with listening to podcasts and everything else i was able to relate and hear something that related to me and it's like holy smokes i am not the only this is i'm not the only person that this is happening to and then they share that they've they've they're not recovered but they're on a, a, a yeah. journey of healing and it just opens up so many doors right so that's what i would yeah see as my uh my main message i love that and it's so true and i love also what you mentioned earlier because i used to tell myself that well one person told me this a long time ago and i just it, it's like my mantra sometimes when you said, you know, everything's temporary, pain is temporary, everything is temporary. Mm -hmm. And like, but in the heat of the moment, we can't, we don't think it's temporary. We think this is it. This is yeah. it. This is my life. This is how I'm going to feel forever. And it's just like, cause then, because we're giving that control away, mm -hmm. like we're like allowing this emotion or the situation to dictate our life and control our moods and stuff instead of just like, no shit, I got this. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to plow forward and I'm stronger than I think. 
Mm -hmm. this is, is temporary. So I like that you said that in the beginning too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, Great. thank you so much for reaching out. I'm uh, so glad you came out. I think it's like opened me to like, I think hearing um, a male version side of thing is huge for all of us. That perspective is different because we all we think so differently and we have so differently. Yep. That book from the book, what whatever it's called, Mar Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or it could be opposite, vice versa. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> like it is so true. So oh, thank exactly. you so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you. I'll put like, your information in the show notes if people want to reach out to you. Sure, absolutely. And yeah. like I said, these conversations, I, yeah. I love them. I love having them, the one-on-one -on -one stuff where we can just be real, like yeah. what your podcast is. So keep doing that. I hope to hear so many more episodes and I know you're going to have a lot more amazing guests reach out to you for what you're doing. Yeah, and this is, and this is helping a lot of people too. I hope you realize that. Thank you. I'm getting, I'm blushing. <laughs> I don't receive compliments very well. It's hard. I'm, not a, I'm not a receiver. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. thank you very much. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Randy. You too.